Alex, we're back. Hello. Hey, how are you? Uh, we're a little late today, but that's fine. It's yeah, you, you you know though, which is appreciative. You know, uh, the train was delayed. I can't do anything about that. Why did it get delayed? I don't know. I had my headphones on. I wasn't listening. Okay. I know there's supposed to be a bunch of snow this weekend. So great, oh, just but, great. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to Montreal this weekend, so i got to figure that out. So, anyway, for the Vegas Golden Knights game. But, Alex, here we are. It's a new episode of the 2-on-1 podcast. A lot's been going on with our team, some rumors, you know, some injuries, unfortunately. And there's been a bunch of firings. Uh, like, it's been nothing. Uh, but, Alex, you know how we start the show, though. It is the Power Hour. Power Hour. And uh, I'd say presented by someone, but I'm going to say it's presented by my dog, because she's here with okay. me right now. She's just looking at me, but she's a good dog, and she loves hockey. And you know who I think Carrie, my dog's favorite player, is? Who? I think it's Jonathan Huber, though. Really? Yeah. Does it have any? Does it have anything to do with him becoming the leading scorer in Florida Panthers franchise history? I think it might be, and I think it has something to do with the fact that against the Leafs, how I think it was a two-point night. Uh, he gets 420 points now in his career in 512 games, passing Ole Jokinen, who had 419 in 567. By the way, fun fact, Alex Barkov, uh, he in 458 games played is uh, at 394, so he'll pass that record too. And he might uh, probably pass Huberto one day. But still, Alex, uh, uh, Jonathan Huberto, I was watching that Leafs game. And you just knew for a fact when it started going Florida's way that Huber was breaking that record that game. So I'm not going to lie. I watched the first 22 minutes of the game and then I turned it off. Yeah. Uh, just because I could, I just didn't want to do it anymore. But then you texted me that Huberto scored. I mean, I did turn it on after that, but it was nice to see that he, he pa- finally passed that mark. I think I, we've we've had a discussion about Uber, Huberto before, right? We mm-hmm. said uh, he's probably one of the guys that no one really talks about, but he's a great ad for any team. Exactly. Uh, I mean, a lot of people were saying that maybe last year was a flash in the pan, having 90 points. But this year, he's, he's continued to play that way. He's the best-kept secret in the in the Eastern Conference right now. But it's funny, whenever a Florida Panthers player comes by, we all talk about him. Mike Hoffman is another player. Yeah, of course, Sasha Barkov last year. But it doesn't matter how good those guys are because we all forget about them when Sidney Crosby comes back. So he came back after 28 games, I think. Uh, he was, he's was he been out for 28 games. <laughs> he had, And, of course, it had to be against the Minnesota Wild. Um, he had one goal and three assists. <laughs> and one of his assists, like four different Minnesota Wild players were watching him, and another penguin was just wide open at the other end of the ice. It was so it was bad. incredible. Uh, I don't know if you caught this last night, but uh, Dmitry Filipovich uh, 
sends out a tweet. The Minnesota Wild are playing with five defensemen tonight because they forgot to list the sixth on their lineup sheet. I thought he was. I just thought he was joking. So I, this morning when I saw the tweet, I went to check the box score, and they had five defensemen. Oh my god, that's unfortunate. They were doing do you, like they had a lot little stretch in December where we we're like yeah, Minnesota, but they've they've come back down a bit. And uh, Sidney Crosby kind of put them back in their place, didn't they? Yes, he did. You know what's really funny, Alex? I told you before we started that I'm playing a new GM mode in NHL 20. Uh, year one in my playthrough, the Penguins won the cup. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, and I bet if I go to the individual awards. Um, because I have it shut down right now, but uh, yeah, Evgeny Malkin won the Smythe in that place. <laughs> Just a little info for you there that even in video games, the Pittsburgh Penguins are uh, stupid, and you never count them out. So, Alex. But anyway, forget about Sidney Crosby because if there's one guy when you bring up Sidney Crosby, you have to mention this gentleman. That's Alexander Ovechkin uh, versus the Carolina Hurricanes the other day. Has a two-goal performance and with one of those goals, he passes Tamu Solani for 11th all-time in NHL goal scoring. And Jake Gardner was absolutely terrible on that play and it led to Tom Wilson giving it to Ovechkin. Oh, God. It had to be Jake Gardner. It yep. had to be Jake Gardner. Um, so he's now what? He, you said he was sixth on the list. Uh, not sixth. He's uh, he's 11th 11th. Now. Sorry, I don't know why I got sixth. 11th on the list with 686 goals. Oh. And I'm looking at the, top, the goal leaders all time. I mean, I think he's pretty much going to be um, – in the top ten, he only he only needs four more goal or five more goals to pass Mario Lemieux uh, with 690. He's on pace for 48 goals in 81 games because I had to get rid of one game thanks to the suspension uh, before or after the All Star game uh, for because he's missing the All Star game. Right now, he has 28. That's incredible. So that will put him to seven oh six, which will put him eighth. Uh, it's that's so weird. So I think it's safe to say, even if he only go like, if let's say he's not fifty goal guy anymore next year, if he, even if he falls to third, he'll probably for sure Ovechkin will be a top five goal scorer by the end of his career, and he'll probably yeah be around Gartner this year. I mean Ovechkin. <clears throat> Easily could like just bump up a hat trick or two and he'll hit fifty. I wouldn't even be surprised. And again, sure. like you said, there one line that stands out: four goals away from Mario Lemieux. I, 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 that just doesn't sound real to me. I mean, yeah, considering the time that Lemieux played in, it's incredible that he's Ovechkin's almost at that point now. And I know a lot of people would say Lemieux's injuries, but at the same time, um, the area again, like you were saying, the era, and of course, Ovechkin's been through many lockouts, including I think his first year he got screwed up by one. So, I mean, this is the guy that the Panthers tried to draft like three times the year before he was eligible. <laughs> um, 
Well, I remember when he got, I think it was five or six hundred that they had all the best goal scorers in the league, like do this video package for him. And Luke Robitaille said, Alex, I bet every two years we're going to be up here giving you some sort of ceremony for passing another hundred goals. And yeah, this year he'll probably hit 700 and there's going to be another video package for him. For sure. And just a quick tweet from Sportsnet Stats, the most multi-games, multi-goal games in NHL history. Uh, Alex Ovechkin is six on the list of 139, with Marcel Dion, the only guys ahead of him. Wow. Gordy Howe, Mario Lemieux, Brett Hull, and uh, Wayne Gretzky. Wow. Who has 50 games more than him, by the way, because uh, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. That's exactly. why. Just because exactly. Wayne Gretzky. We're talking about the Capitals, though. Nick Backstrom. In the early hours of the other day, it uh, turns out he has re-signed with the, sorry, signed a contract extension with the Washington Capitals. Five years, a $9.2 million AAV for a total of $42 million. He negotiated the contract himself, Alex. What do you think of this deal? I thought it was an interesting deal, and I saw a lot of, like from fans, I saw a lot of back and forth of whether it was a good contract or not. <clears throat> now, he's 32 years old. Uh, he turns 33 in November, so pretty much this deal kicks in when he, when he's 33. Um, I think it's going to be a good, good contract for the first few years, but I think it gets messy towards the back end. I think, especially those last two years, uh, it's a lot of money to give up, uh, considering if they decide to re-sign Braden Holby this year, but it gets a little more difficult next year when you have Ovechkin, Verana, and Samsonov to re-sign next year. I don't think re-signing Backstrom was ever questioned. There's a lot... There's a, been a lot of talk about Backstrom and Ovechkin ending their careers at the same time for the same team. So this kind of just goes with that with that narrative. And Ovechkin's contract ends next year, so don't be surprised for him to sign a four-year extension. Yeah. Uh, just I think for- what a lot of – yeah. Uh, just yeah. quickly, um, the first three years of the deal have no uh, no modified that no modif- what am I doing no move clause sorry and uh, the last two years have a modified no trade clause that is per uh, cap friendly sorry Alex continue I think what a a lot of people look at Nicholas Backstrom lately it doesn't seem like the point he's he listen he puts up points let me pull up. Let me pull it up now. He uh, last year he had 74 and 80 games, 71 and 80 games, and then 86, 70. Like they, it's up in that area, high area. But I think people are worried now that he's 32 and about to be 33 at the end of the year. He's gonna start slowing down, points wise. But I think he brings more than just what it shows on the box score to this team. I mean, I, I think he's an elite uh, centerman. I think the leadership, I mean, the fact that he works so well with Ovechkin, obviously anyone could argue that anyone can play with Ovechkin. All you got to do is get him the puck. 
But I think to get him the puck in, so when he's open, to drag defenders away from Ovechkin to leave Ovechkin open takes some type of skill. And I think that's something he possesses. You always people always bring up how do people always let Ovechkin score the way he does? Well, it's because you have a Kuznetsov and Oshi and a Nick Backstrom. Those other threats, and again, Nick Backstrom's one of the most underrated passers in the league. And I, I mean, if you're going to be, if you're going to take issue with the term for if you're a Caps fan, a you got to remember you have a cup, so you're kind of good for a solid decade, even if you have a bunch of bad contracts. He'll retire a cap, which I think means a lot to them. And he's only missed a bunch of games once. Um, there are two seasons that you look on DB, but of course, one was the 2012-13 lockout. Another one is the, the only time he's had a really bad injury. Um, besides the one wrist injury in the playoffs last year, he's been pretty healthy, so that's a good sign. And, I mean, some I, I'm amazed that this guy's never won a Selkie, by the way. But um, I, I'm, re- I'm really, really happy to see that he signed this deal. First off, good for him. Because he's even got some signing bonuses in there, so he's a better uh, he's a better negotiator than Drew Doughty is. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but he's having. You think you think that he's having a really good week? Is Drew Doughty? Uh, he must be laughing. He must be laughing. We'll we'll get to the flames in one second. But you're talking about laughing, Alex, and I have never laughed more than when I, I got home from class on Monday and. Yeah. The moment I go upstairs and I see Brad Marchand completely whiff on a shootout attempt. The the Pete Pete Blackburn, noted Bruins fan, called it the worst shootout attempt in history. And it, it I think it is. He barely grazes the puck when he's skating to pick it up. It it was quite <laughs> funny. Uh, especially for me, because Brad Marchand has caused many nightmares. Oh yeah, he's he's uh, he did afterwards. He tweeted out a picture of him with the Stanley Cup in 2011, which yeah, yeah. great, Brad. Happy for you, but like, no, I'm gonna laugh at you. I'm going to laugh at you. Yeah, that was uh, it. Made considering we finished class at nine o'clock, I think it kind of made the night much better. Oh, nothing better. The Habs had won a game. I get home and. Just video after video of I remember seeing the tweet because I love going to another team's Twitter account and it was <clears> the tweet <throat> said Marshan had missed even though he didn't even touch the puck and I saw there were three hundred replies on that tweet and just knew it was going to be a good time. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh yeah, but uh, some some good news though, Alex. Uh, enough of laughing at Brad Marshan. Just kidding, he's a joke. Um, from Emily Kaplan on Twitter, there will be a new event at the All-Star Weekend, and it is going to be a three-on-three game between top American and Canadian women's hockey players. Now, there's also going to be a new sort of trick shot event that's players shooting pucks up from the stands, which you've always seen, like, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, the famous one of Kenny Malkin shooting it from, like, the nosebleeds or something crazy like that. But, uh, Alex, what do you make of these new events and the NHL's continuing effort trying to make it a relevant game? I think the three-on-three uh, with the woman, I think that's exactly what or is, is one of the things that the NHL should be doing to grow the woman's game. I mean, it, considering 
the stage that it's at right now. I mean, the new skills event, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of it. <laughs> We've had that discussion about the about the all-star game. It's not for us. It's when when I was a you know, a you know, I was like fourteen, fifteen, I loved those trick shots, but again, you could say I was a kid then, Alex, and we've talked plenty about uh, kids in this game, and that's really what it's for. But uh, to close out the power hour, though, Alex, Zach Cassian got two games for, uh, you can call it roughing, some people might call it assault, on uh, Matthew Kachuk in the Battle of Alberta game that was pure carnage, and his first game back from his suspension will be against the Calgary Flames. So I think the first the Battle of Alberta, Alberta is fun again. It it very much is fun. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens that first game back, and I think they play two games later as well. So it's going to be an interesting week. I think it's after the All Star game though, but whatever. Yes. I did not think there was anything wrong with the suspension. Uh, it's obviously comparable to the Lucic suspension at the beginning of the year uh, when he basically just n- punched Cole Sherwood uh, of uh, Columbus. Uh, another, pardon? I forgot about that. Another comparable, I guess, would be the Max Domi uh, suspension, but that was a little bit different just because it was in preseason and I don't exact they didn't really suspend him, he just missed preseason essentially. What I do have a problem with, um, and I talked about it last episode, was that they did not do a single thing about the Kachuk hit. No, and I have a problem. I don't know if I have much of a problem with the second one. I have a whole list of problems with the first one, considering it looked like he had absolutely no intention of getting the puck. It literally just looked like he was going to get Cassian. He he changed direction. I don't know how it's not anything. I don't understand... I mean, I know a lot of people have been going back and forth. Uh, I've been listening to from TSN and Sportsnet. They're going back and forth on whether it was uh, should have been suspendable. I really think that the at least the first one. I don't care what they do about the other ones because I'm not. I couldn't really tell as well. But the first one for sure, I thought was suspendable. I'm surprised it wasn't. Because it clearly looked like it, he was going for his head. Oh, yeah. I, I really thought that the main point of contact was the head. Or the neck area. It was such a tough hit that Kachuk took out Giordano, too. It was terrible. But, again, it, it really looks bad on the Department of Player Safety. When they let th- things like this fly, and I, and it's I don't know this is the this is what I get from this whole situation. I don't know if this is true or not, but when I look at a situation like this, I get the sense that oh we can't punish both of them 
because then there's no winner or lose like some type of there's no sh- who's doing the bad thing Cassian or Kachuk how about both of them are doing bad things how about so like uh, why pardon you're not taking a side here because a lot of people have been going this team Kachuk team Cassian route I think no I'm not taking a side but I think Cassian got screwed in the fact that Kachuk got nothing. The fact that, that, pardon? I think that's fair. Because, watch, I'm telling you, the, the first game back, did, I don't, did you see what Cassian said? Uh, I saw I, the thing where he said, I have a good memory. He, he's like, oh, I didn't know you were allowed to do that. After I talked with uh, the Department of Player Safety, now I know you can do that. And he was referencing Kachuk's hit. Or multiple hits. Uh. It's going to get messy. That game is going to be very messy. You know what I hate the most in all of it, Alex? Tell me. The whole... How everyone started saying, well, because Chuck Chuck's not answering the bell, that, oh, watch, Johnny Goudreau's going to get hit next. I understand hate, and I understand, you know, very hits. But what I can't stand is then, like, then you have to put another person's safety at risk just because somebody won't fight you because the player's safety should be the one giving out the repercussions here, not, not Kachuk. Yeah, but, but I, listen, you... I don't remember who said this recently, but it's been been said for years. The p- players are policing the game. Just a problem. The players have been, the players are, and the players will continue to police their their own game. Because number one, fine, the refs are missing calls. I and un- I understand the refs are not going to catch everything. But you have a backup resort when when the hit or whatever that happened is bad enough. The, the Department of Player Safety is supposed to be there and discipline them. But the Department of Player Safety isn't doing anything. Sure, the two-game suspension, fair, based on past examples. The two-game suspension is what you... And, uh, what you should spend, suspend Zach Cassian for. But to go and say what math the the hit was fine or the multiple hits were fine, I think is a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. That's what think, I have a problem with. Do you think the league steps in and you know, if you hear you heard about it before, like I think it was the famous uh, Probert Domi fight, where they said, "Guys, don't get in, don't do it, otherwise you're going to get suspended." And they both did it, and they both got suspended. Do you think the league steps in and you know goes to Calgary and and the Edmonton and say, "Guys, can we please not?" They very well could. I don't think they care, especially Edmonton. You heard what Leon Dreisaitl said. You're for. To asking about skating three on three with with Kachuk yeah. and saying that he would yeah. just walk off the skate off the ice. It's all everyone's in. I, I it seems like everyone's in in Edmonton at least. I don't know about 
what's what's going on in Calgary, but it, it, I don't think that matters. They can come in. Cassie doesn't care. Ah, uh, you're you're right. Um, it's gonna be. I believe the game is on the this return game for Cassie is on the 29th. So it'll uh, it'll be a game to look out for, and it's it's circled on everyone's calendars. And there might be some suspensions. There might be some. Also, I have a problem. It doesn't look like Cassie got anything for um, the words he used in the post game. Really wasn't a fan of that because even Jeff Merrick pointed out, let's not use language like that. So. A lot less respect from the league for that for me. Um, I mean, they probably brought it up during the hearing. They just, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't end up. I didn't end up watching the video of why they suspended him because I never get anything from that. Uh, yeah, it doesn't. They listen. They could give me all the explanations they want. The results are garbage, Alex. But anyway, uh, I've got to ask you, Alex. What is your read of the bye week? So we were. Uh, we were going to talk about it, but we didn't end up talking about it. Uh, it's from Ken Rosenthal uh, from The Athletic, who does a lot of MLB stuff. Um, so pe- it's people at every level of the sport bear, responsibi- bear responsibility for baseball's current sign-stealing mess. So if you don't know what happened, uh, the Houston Astros were found uh, sign-stealing illegally. Uh, through electronics, uh, the co- the manager and the general manager were both suspended for a year. Who ended up getting fired? The team was fined five million dollars, and they have to give up their first and second round draft picks for the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one season. And that's pretty much it. And then the, weren't the GM and um. A GM and manager then fired. Yeah, yeah, they were fired afterwards. That's insane. I mean, not I'm not saying it's good or bad. But I'm just saying I've never seen something like that before. And then the uh, Boston Red Sox manager, who was a part of the uh, Astros organization, Alex Cora, was let go a couple days later. Right. I think yesterday. Yeah. All right. Well, what's yours? What's Uh, yours? From Pierre Lebrun. Um, I love that guy so much. Uh, Why collaboration is hold on, Skype is key for Devils' new front office. Bergevin has no interest in trading Price or Weber, so it's a bit of a two-on-one there, like this podcast. But at the same time, I love Pierre. He's the he's the man. So, Alex, uh, there's nothing quite like when news breaks the day of the show. So that is we, true. We talked about this before the show started for a second before we realized we should probably talk about this uh, in the actual show. But, Alex, Gerard Gallant has been fired. Uh, the second most controversial firing of his career, considering the last time he was fired, he had to get <clears> a, <throat> a cab to an airport when he was in, Car- um, in Carolina when he was let go in Florida, but yes, the Vegas Golden Knights have fired their head coach and have hired Pete DeBoer, who was just let go in San Jose. What are your immediate thoughts when you saw? What were your thoughts when you first saw? Oh boy, Vegas just let this guy go. I was surprised, considering we haven't heard much coming out of Vegas, uh, them being disappointed 
with the season so far. That was so just the the firing alone was huge, um, because no one really saw it coming. I think that Pete DeBoer signing is uh, hiring is interesting. Uh, whether you think whichever coach you like better, I mean, you're just replacing one NHL coach with another NHL coach. I so the first thing I did is I pulled up the standings. They're 24, uh, 19, and six. They are pretty much in the Pacific Division, one of the divisional spots for a while. Uh, and for some reason now they're they're out. They they've just lost four games in a row. They are four six and zero in their last ten. It just seems like things weren't going their way recently. And I think Gerard Gallant paid the price for that. You know what was really interesting? When I woke up, sorry, last night, I saw an interview. I don't know what made me click it, but it was a quick little Twitter video of Max Pacioretty, right? And listen, from his time in Montreal, I know when Max Pacioretty has been through a rough spot with his team. He's having a career year, but I just, I heard this tone in his voice. I'm like, I have not heard that since, you know, when he was a half. And I was like, this is not good. So then I woke up this morning, and of course I see that the, the firing has happened. And I did you see the reaction of um, of JD Bunkus and that on Leafs Hour when it happened? Yeah, or I think yeah, 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 I really yes, it was. I listened to it. Yeah, so I just listened to the clip because I saw it come up on Sportsnet. And you know what, Alex? Once I really sat down and thought about it, I wasn't that surprised because the Pacific is a wide open division, but I said at the beginning of the season that I thought Vegas were going to be a juggernaut in that division. I originally was San Jose, but the Vegas have goaltending. Pacioretty is amazing this year. Um, the way that team is built, great contracts. There's youth. There's there's some vets in there. Marc-Andre Fleury needs to you know, let age cap up, catch up with them. I think it makes more sense when you really think about it, but even, you know, looking at that, I still think this is such a silly move. It, so I pulled up uh, Kelly McCrimmon's, um, I guess, scr- uh, scrum after the, after the firing. And this is the one quote that really popped up to me. And they talked about it on um, JD, talked about it on Leaf Sour. So... As a manager, sometimes you have a feeling that something isn't the way you need it to be. Uh, We feel we've underperformed a little bit, and certainly that's not at the feet of Mike and Gerard, but sometimes you feel a change is needed. What that says to me is I don't think uh, Gallant paid the price, but this is a wake-up. This should be a wake-up call for the players. And saying, listen, we're not doing good enough. This guy's gone. You guys need to pick it up. Does that because stupid to you as it does to me? Oh, it sounds... What do you mean? In what way? Oh, let's motivate... Okay, first of all. Who... there? If there are two people I will sit here and say are responsible for how well Vegas has gone, I'm going to say it's thanks to Gerard Gallant I'm going to say it's thanks to Marc-Andre Fleury. Because without them, 
First of all, without Gerard Gallant keeping that team together, that Isle of Misfits the first year, they're nowhere, if, it's not, if not for Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, how far do they really go in the playoffs? And, and George McPhee. No, 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 no. Don't I'm not forget George McPhee. Why not? Why well, not? Plus, uh, it sounds like it was always a partnership with um, McCrimmon, and he's just kind of stepped to the side now. And, I mean, look, dude, no one looked at the way he put that. Not even he put that roster together and thought, hey, he got dumb lucked into that. And, again, we talked about this before. Um, the Florida Panthers giving them, you know, a quarter of their top six and, you know, Alex Tuck from Minnesota for nothing. I'm not – just because other GMs are stupid, I'm not going to give you any credit. Again, the, Rutherford giving them a second to take out Marc-Andre Fleury, also really stupid to me. So I just I just hate that. Here's the guy who has kept your group, you know, playing so, so well. He's well-liked, you know, which goes a long way with coaches as well. And you fire him to kick your team in the ass. That's so dumb. But it's been done before. Well, so give me okay. So give me some examples, and we'll, we'll compare them here. What comes to mind when you think like b- before? Because I'm thinking Chicago right away. Okay, sure, Chicago. I was, and I get their different playing styles, but between and I'm gonna give you the Leafs as an example mm-hmm. because even though the system that Mike Babcock had in place didn't necessarily a hundred percent fit the style that the, that the Leafs that the team was built for a hundred percent that that was a kick in the butt to the players because the players weren't performing, we've had, we've had discussions earlier, uh, earlier on in the season. And I said, listen, Yes, I blame Mike Babcock for part of what's going on with this team, but there's a lot of blame to be thrown around to the players because they're not performing to any type of standards that they should be. And sure, they sure the system is different, but they look 10 times better. They look they're performing to what they're supposed to be besides the fact that the system is different. I just, well, there was, well, Mike Babcock, it was like, guys were scared to do some, to mess up on the play, like, scared to, to like, take a chance. Again, I, I, I don't know if I'm very qualified to talk about Vegas, because I couldn't tell you that I've watched a single one of their games this season, but, and again, you don't hear about them as much, because, hey, they're in, they're in Vegas, they're not a Canadian team, so we don't hear the backbone of everything, but I just I I because of how close we were to the Toronto story, I just think it's a, it's a bit different. Of course, it's different, but no what no situ. I don't think there's any situation where you just com- where you can compare the two. I don't. Well, where I see this, Pete DeVore. I, I I hate to like cause just ragging on Vegas, <clears throat> considering they got rid of a great coach, but at least they hired a great coach. So to right. set the disaster here. I just I, I'm sorry. I just don't get this move by Vegas. I really don't. You know what the thing is though. This is okay. So they've lost four games. 
They've already been on a three-game losing streak. They were on a five-game losing streak. They've been up and down, up and down all season. That's what I think the problem is. Uh, yeah, you know, well, we'll see. I, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. Is what I'll say. I'm not sold on it. Okay. I we'll listen on paper. I think this team should perform better than the record they have now, which is 24, 19, and 6. 100%. So, okay, so who you blame for that? You know what, Alex? You know who I blame? Who? I blame Ray Shiro. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why you blame I, Ray Shiro? Because he is easily the most disappointing NHL general manager this year. If there was a grade worse than F, I would give it to Ray Shiro. You know what the thing is with Ray Shiro, though? Uh, what? Is you look at the moves that he made just over the offseason alone. The two big moves that he made... Uh, bringing in Nikita Gusev and bringing in P.K. Subban. Of course, he had Jack Hughes, et cetera, et cetera. You, you, you're basically, I mean, who we didn't know about P.K. and what was going on at the time. But the problem with those trades is that he didn't address the one thing that was wrong with the team last year. Or one of the things that was wrong with the team, which is goaltending. That is the biggest issue with Ray Shiro. I think if he addressed the goaltending, don't you think this team would look a lot different? Oh, yeah. And their solution was Louis Domingue. The, I, yeah, I... He sh- the thing, it's not that his solution was Louis Domingue. He brought in Louis Domingue too late. He should have addressed this over the offseason because by the time the season started, who were you going to get? Who was available? And what were you pl- willing to give up? I think the only name that comes to mind is probably Martin Jones. <laughs> and that's honestly, he's not as bad as Corey Schneider. But how much of an improvement is that over Corey Schneider, considering that Martin Jones is extremely inconsistent lately? Well, that's fair. Well, I see like last two seasons, but I mean, if I'm going to give crap to Mark Bergevin for not doing something, I'm going to give crap to the Devils for their best solution being Mackenzie Blackwood and hoping Corey Schneider comes back from double hip surgery. And is your solution. I can't do that. But he tried to fix around the one. It, I'm Listen, I'm not arguing whether or not uh, Ray Shearer was a good GM and if he made good or bad moves. The fact that he didn't fix the one issue is the biggest concern for me. They didn't give it any support, too. No offense, P.K. Subban is in the defensive stalwart. Right. 
Like, well, you, you think, you know, what was fantastic for the Arizona Coyotes right now is, you know, Taylor Hall has been fantastic. I think 13 points in 14 games. Nicky Olmerson's a great stabilizing force in the back end. And that's the kind of guy they need in New Jersey. Sammy Vatnin's not that guy either. So I just, I think Gusev, you know, I've never heard a single thing about his two-way play. It's fantastic if you're the Leafs and you can outscore your problems most night. Most nights, and then have Freddie Anderson to hold you back. But you know, Corey Schneider, Mackenzie Blackwood. I, I understand maybe there's not a lot in the market, but it doesn't mean you're you know you wait till how long to go get Louis Domingue. That's and uh, by the way, I love how they they so apparently this Ray Shiro stuff was a change you know a difference in opinion of how to approach the rest of the season or where the team goes forward. Well, did you not have a vision of where this team was going when you traded Taylor Hall? Am I stupid, Alex? Or wait, say what you mean. Say that again. Sorry. Apparently, the reason for Shiro's dismissal was a change in the thought of where the organization. Yeah, was. yeah, I, I heard, I heard that as well. So I think that was Friedman, you know, our close personal friend. Um, you know, I just, I think when you just, you're at the point where you decide to trade Taylor Hall, maybe at that point you should have an idea of where you're going as a franchise. I wonder if he wanted to. T- I wonder if Shiro wanted to take a different approach to the rebuild. Here's the thing: we talk. We I've heard lots of people talk about teams rebuilding. You can't have the same general manager rebuild the team that he built. No, because then he chew- he gets stuck between media, you know, <clears throat> building and retooling. Remember Mark Bergevin? Sorry. My throat got sick. So I think the Ray Shiro thing was pretty much he was gone by the end of this season. I think that was pretty much for me, that was the consensus that if he's not, if either not going to fire in midseason, he's pretty much gone by the end of the year. I think I wonder if, pardon? Pardon, Alex. Uh, yeah. I need to go for like two minutes. Sorry, but I just need something to just quickly come up. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'll be right back. Hello. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. I just I'm the only one home, and uh, a few of my textbooks just got delivered, so I just needed to quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Sorry. No. What were you saying about that? Sorry, you know, te- textbooks and that crap. Sorry. There's I, what I was kind of I got off track there. Um, I think this is my own opinion i don't know what went on behind the scenes is maybe there was a difference of opinion on how they were going to go about this rebuild and i think ratio maybe wanted to keep the ufas considering wayne simmons and pk suban both have kind of come out and said we want to stick this out for the long haul and maybe ownership wants to say you know what let's just get rid of everyone and and bring in as many assets and the best assets possible. Mm-hmm. That's something that could uh, could have have gone on. I'd I'd be interested 
to see what they do now because I think the thing is with this team is since they uh, let go of John Hines, the team has been doing okay. Listen, uh, the team has – the actual team really hasn't changed other than they've traded Taylor Hall. But they've looked, I guess, some somewhat better. What I question with the firing now is why you let Ray Shiro trade Taylor Hall knowing that there's a difference of opinion. The or, biggest trade you could yeah. make in the next few years and you give to a guy you're probably getting rid of. And it was the same thing, the same discussion that was had that the two of us ha- actually had in Edmonton when Shirelli uh, was fired. And literally, how long ago was Koskinen's extension announced? What was, <laughs> you know, what was going on there? But other than that, I really think the firing makes sense. I think for me, it came earlier than I expected. Same. Not knowing that there was a difference of opinion. It's very much been a you're fired type of year. Yeah, there's been quite a few firings. Um, can I read you a tweet from Doug McLean? Sure. Um, this is, of course, if you ever listened to Hockey Central at noon last year when uh, Doug McLean was still at Sportsnet, uh, this is a quick tweet from him. Uh, quote, I've known Gerard Gallant since he was 10 years of age. He's an excellent coach and a wonderful person. A good man lost his job today. Hashtag sickening, end quote. Uh, You can tell anytime that it's just, and by the way, Gerard Gallant is the Pacific Division coach at the All-Star, which is odd. This is from, uh, so I'd like to go back to Gallant for a couple minutes. Sure. Uh, so apparently he's the 18th NHL head coach uh, replaced since the start of the 18-19 season. That's from David Amber. Oh. 18th. That's more than half the league. That's uh, Oh, did you see the Dmitry Filipovich tweet about uh, Detroit versus head coaches? Wasn't there seven head coaches fired uh, and five Detroit Red Wings wins since december 20th since december 20th so you brought up detroit yes and i saw uh i went on twitter after the firing i was just kind of scrolling through like what fans were saying and for some reason there were some detroit fans popping up saying talking about eiserman bringing in uh gallant and so i found out that both of them they both played for detroit uh, for a few years, they played together uh, in Detroit for a few years. Iserman was there his entire career, but Gallant was there for a few years when he played. Is that something Iserman goes out and does? Because there were talks of Blashill being fired at the beginning of the year and kind of coming into the season, uh, middle of the season. I mean. It would be could could you imagine an off season where at the end of it, Detroit either have Quinton Byfield or Lachis Lafreniere, and then they sign Tory Krug and they bring in Gerard Gallant. It'd be the off season of the century. 
I I hate C virus. You're right. <laughs> I hate that you brought that up because I can see it happening. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's coaching in the NHL in the future. Probably by the end of the week. Honestly, probably. Both John Hines and Pete DeBoer were uh, unemployed for 34 days. That's pretty funny. It's just a revolving door of coaches at this point. but Yeah. I feel bad for them, but uh, hey, uh, if if there's uh, if there's anything to take away from this, it's that uh, the NHL this year has been um, it's been weird. It's been a crazy, crazy time. Uh, no one is safe, unfortunately. But again, because of it being the NHL, um, they're all going to get rehired because it's a revolving door, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, moving on, though, we have the Habs and we have the Leafs, Alex. Uh, I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about with both of them, so where do you want to start? Uh, you can go first. Uh, so, the Habs have won two straight, Alex. Yeah. Uh, does that change anything for you? Uh, no. No, the <laughs> no. season's done still. It's just, it's just it, it, it's not as excruciating to watch eight straight losses it's just it's nice but you know and you get excited when Kovalchuk does a thing or two and paling it's a nice goal and price has a 935 save percentage in 2020 but i mean it doesn't change it see the thing is th- this is the thought process i have with with the canadians uh, and the situation they're in is a lot of teams are looking to go out and bring to bring in players uh, acquire through trade but the Canadians are slowly bringing back players that they lost. Now, uh, uh, has Gallagher returned? Not yet, no. Okay, so that's one guy. You have Juran who's coming back. Uh, and then I think Byron and Armia are both still out, correct? Um, Armia is practicing. He'll be back any day now by the sound of it, which is quite nice. But Byron, uh, Byron should be back any day now, and Druin... Probably by the all-star break, they should all be back. But, yeah, you haven't, I haven't heard anything about Druin since the new year. So doesn't that not that a positive thing that all these players are coming back, considering how the team was playing before they were all injured? I mean, you have a couple games left before the, then you have the all-star break and your bye week that are connected. That's a lot of time off, especially for those four players that we were talking about. Uh to it's extra rest for them isn't that a positive thing going forward uh it's funny you said that because i think eric angles um around the new year said that a big belief in house organization was if they can stay i think the number was actually seven points out of a playoff spot and they could hold on until the all-star game to get these guys back then you know they 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 can so they have this thing of salvaging the season. Of course, that also ties into the headlines report that the Habs are going to wait until the All Star All Star break. You know, see how this little stretch of games goes before they make any decisions when it comes to the rest of the season. So, I mean, I'm sure it's huge in the room. Like Brendan Gallagher was. Um, there's a video of after the game, after the Calgary game, of the boys celebrating in the locker room, and Gallagher and Druin were all there. Druin didn't have a sling on. Gallagher was there, Armia too. I don't remember seeing Byron. I'm sure he was there though. 
So it's nice to see they're around because I'm sure it's huge for the locker room and confidence can do a lot. And again, you know, you hope Price picks her up, but at the same time, you think, is it too late? Well, you said you mentioned seven points. That's what Angles suggested. Right mm-hmm. now, they're seven points out of the second wild card spot. Yeah. And we're heading into the All Star break. Uh, I'm not sure who they play. I don't know how many games or who they're playing. Uh, you would probably know that better than I would. But that seems like are they play Chicago tonight, Philadelphia Thursday, and Vegas on Saturday? Mm-hmm. So those are three games as players start coming back. At least tonight's game seems more of a winnable one. Uh, the Flyers, now that Carter Hart is uh, out for a couple weeks. And then the Vegas game's a, a little tougher. But those are four points right there that seems that seem somewhat doable. Yeah, and you're, you're right. I mean, it, it's it's yeah, yeah, exactly. For the the Blackhawks are disappointing. Phillies, Phillies, you never really know what you're going to get with them, and that that's a that's a four point game because of the wild card race. And yeah, you're exactly right. Vegas with the firing of Gerard Gallant and it's Max Pacioretty back in Montreal. That's going to be a fiery game. So yeah, I I think it feels like we're saying this every other week, but it it really is this last three stretch of games. What's going to decide? Before we talked about Montreal season, from my point of view, but now it's really going to be what the team sees. So, I mean, yeah, what if they go on a run and they get those six points and maybe they leapfrog a team or two? Look at Columbus, you know, well, their injuries. I know um, Cab Atkinson just got back. But, hey, there's a there's a chance, Alex, but I refuse to get too excited. I really uh, do. I think, in my opinion, looking at how uh, the top three divisional teams have been playing in Boston, Tampa, and Toronto, I think uh, a divisional spot might would probably be unrealistic at this point because you're nine points back, uh, the same amount of games played. But a wild card spot, I know I get it, it's only two less points but you never know i think a wild card spot would be more realistic and it's what we we predicted the halves would be at the beginning of the season that is what we did predict and and i think now that we've come to this point where i think the fan base has kind of calmed down a little bit uh after that eight the eight game winless streak i think it's the like second, it. yes, the second eight-game winless streak. I think it's easy to say now that Price and Weber aren't really going anywhere, unless uh, there's another collapse. Uh, oh, apparently, so on insider trading, Pierre LeBrun said he talked to Bergeron, and Bergeron said, "I'm not even listening to calls about those two, about Weber and Carey Price," which was actually quite nice to see. Uh, but no, it's it's nice because you love them at the same time. It's still this thing of which path are the Habs taking. But yeah, he he confirmed did Mark Bergevin that they're not going anywhere. Which there was a, it seems like there was more and more price trade talk happening over the last two weeks. So it's 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 interesting. They're going to be a fun team to watch, mainly because uh, more online because you never know what the Habs fans are going to be like, and we'll we'll see. But. Um, yeah, I know Charlie Lindgren is starting tonight, which is a bit, mm, but we'll see. Yeah, you know, you got to give your starting goalie some 
rest, you know. Freddie Anderson doesn't like rest, though. Like, no, apparently not. I don't know. Do you know what the weirdest thing with Toronto media is? And uh, I'm only I'm calling out TSN here just because they were they were the one report that I saw uh, with this or the one article. So you know how everyone's been complaining with about how Freddie is going to get overworked. There's too much going on. I saw a TSN article the other day. Now that Hutchinson has played a few games here and there, um, is is the rest disrupting Freddie's workload? I'm sorry. Say that, say that again? Yeah. No, no. You heard that. Is the, is the rest... It, it was something along the lines of, is the rest disrupting Freddie's workload? I don't remember the headline off the top of my head. I just thought that was very interesting, considering how much we've been complaining about Friday needs time, Friday needs this. Oh, huh? Like, really? Like, you're going to complain about Freddy, we need another backup goalie, then he plays the backup goalie twice, and now it's, oh, Freddy hasn't looked good since then. So, what do you want? He's clearly hurt. So something's wrong last night he didn't look too bad i think last night there was a lot more to blame on especially in the third period the defense uh by both the defensemen and the forwards there was a lot of there's uh, blame easily placed on them but i mean there's a reason for that i think now more than ever the forwards are they have to step it up um, defense defensively because now not only are you missing Jake Muzzin, uh, who I believe skated this morning, they are also missing Morgan Riley for eight weeks, who we all suspected had an injury. Then over the Christmas the the Christmas break has been had something done and he was better, blocked a shot, uh, fractured foot I believe. So we're back at stage one with Riley is injured. Now with Riley being injured, Sandine has been called up. And I think we've both, or I've talked about it a lot, uh, especially at the beginning, beginning of the year, the fact that they shouldn't have sent Sandine down just because he had one poor game. But I understand why they did it. And I think Sandine understands why they, he's done it as well. He looked very... And I get it. It's New Jersey. Number one, New Jersey just beat Tampa Bay and Washington. But that's fine. I get it. It's New Jersey. But he had, a, he had two assists in the first period. And he looked really good the rest of the game. I believe he played 16 minutes last night. I really didn't have a whole lot to complain about. Um, and I'm really impressed with, considering he's 19, I'm pretty impressed with how he's been playing. I think, obviously, next year, he's going to have a much bigger role with the team. Um, is he going to play with the team this year? It, I don't know what the plan is. Now, a lot of people have been so back and forth on the situation just because 
should they burn his ELC contract? Is is it worth it for them to keep him up here, or does it make more sense for him to just dominate the uh, dominate the AHL? I think he for sure deserved the call up. I think he was a hundred percent the next guy up uh, with Riley and Muzzin out. Once Muzzin comes back. I think we might see something a little bit different. Uh, is Sandine part of that? Maybe. It depends when. I think if they if the if they he gets to the ten game mark, and his uh, ELC kicks in this year, we're probably going to see him on the NH in the NHL for the rest of the year because at that point it wouldn't make sense to send him down because you're wasting. Uh, at that point, it'd be probably about 30 to, uh, 30 to almost 40 games of of an ELC year for an NHL player. Well, what, what and I know you – yeah. Who's better, Cody Cece or Rasmus Sandin? Rasmus Sandin, but Cody Cece plays the right side. Who's better, Magic Hand Marty or Rasmus Sandin? I think right now Rasmus Sandin, but I'm going to explain to you this. And a lot of I've been listening to what a lot of other people are saying, and I finally clued in on what Martin Marinson is. Martin Marinson isn't necessarily the guy you're going to play for 82 games, right? You sign him for 700,000. He's there. He's a very competent seventh defenseman. You're not going to play him 82 games. But you, if someone goes down for a couple games, for ten games, whatever, you can throw them into the into onto the bottom pairing for that time. Again, it fully depends on what the plan is for the team moving forward. Are they going to bring in another defender, which everyone's been talking about lately, or are they going to ride it out with a Sandine until Muzzin comes back? Which looks like to be more what is going to happen. That Sandine's going to play until Muzzin comes back, and then they're going to make a decision. Well, uh, the way... Excuse me if I'm, if I'm a bit ignorant here, but the Leafs are, I would say, a team that is expected to go on a deep playoff run. Right? Yes. So... And the way I would look at it is, yeah, he's better than Marty. Yeah, Marty's not going to play the whole season. But let's say right now you're the Leafs. The Panthers are chasing your tail here. And, I, you know, I would rather face the Tampa Bay Lightning than go into a wild card spot. Wouldn't it just be better to just try and ice the best guys possible? Even oh, if you if, ELC? If for sure, I don't think it's a matter of the ELC. See, it's a matter of what are it, it, it's what are you, you going to do when everyone's back? Because when even when Riley comes back, okay, so your left side when Riley comes back is Riley Muzzin Dermot. Your right side is Barry Hall CC, unless you can move CC, which at that point, uh, are you playing Sandine uh, or are you playing Lily Green? It's a completely different issue. Don't one of Riley or Dermot are able to play the right side? No, that's the whole point. Riley and Riley cannot play the right side. Oh. Dermot Dermot played a, a little bit on the right side in in 
uh, the AHL, but the that was that was the start of the plan because they they noticed that their lack of depth in right-handed defensemen. So they said, okay, which one of our guys can play on the right side? And it happened to be Travis Dermott. I'd rather not play Travis Dermott on the right side if if I have to. If I have to, I have to. But I don't think the team is in that situation. Okay. That's why I'd rather have Marinson play. I get it. I don't want Marinson playing 82 games. I'd rather him not. But if you're going to move past the the nine game mark and have Sandine play the 10th game, then you have to play. He's going to be up here the rest of the season because it doesn't make sense for him to be sent down. Well, Alex, you're talking about, you know, guys who are going to be playing right now, you know, what's it going to look like when it comes to, you know, everyone being healthy again. But what I really want to talk about here, and everyone's been quiet about it, which I think Leafs fans are pretty happy about, until Bob McKenzie brought it up, Jake Muzzin and Toronto Maple Leafs have started some contract discussions. Nothing serious so far, Alex, but what do you make of that? Yeah, I saw the their preliminary discussions Listen, I've we've had discussions on and off the podcast about who they should bring back. You argued Barry, you argued Barry, and, and then I'd argue Muzzin. And then I got to a point where I watched Sandine, and even I watched Lilia Grin in the uh, in the AHL a couple of his games. I don't know which one you bring back, honestly. Considering the cap situation that's going on, I don't know if you bring either of them back. Because I don't think Barry has been good enough. And I know since Keith has come in, Barry has looked a whole, whole lot better. But at the same time, Barry isn't the type of defenseman that um, that the Leafs need right now. We, we needed someone who can play with Riley who's a little more defensive. Barry was not that guy. Yeah. Now, we saw Muzzin and Hall work really well together. I think Dermot and Hall have looked good uh, together as well. I think next year you might, if neither of them come back, your top four or your top six looks like Riley and probably a, a, another defender, not sure who that would be, uh, Dermot Hall. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Sandine and Liliogren playing together on the bottom pair. And I know it's kind of unusual to see two rookie defensemen uh, playing together, but I think that's something Sheldon Keefe might take a look at, considering his past with both those players and considering how well they work together. Now, I left one spot open because I think uh, we had this discussion last week. One of Janssen or Kapanen will be traded. If I don't think both of them. I think one of them will be traded as part of some sort of package to bring in a defenseman. Mm-hmm. Now, listen, I, he's not going to be a top 
two guy. You're not gonna. I don't think you're gonna bring in uh, Petrangelo or anyone like that. But I think someone stable enough to play with Riley because because listen, I know we gave Ron Hainsey so much crap for the th- for the how many years he was here, but he made Riley look better because he let Riley do his thing. That's what we need. We need to have someone let Riley do his thing. That's what the, the team is missing. Pardon? Let him go wee in the offensive zone. Exactly. And now he can't do that. Or now he's injured. But before, even with Barry, it was very uncomfortable at some points because they both like to do that. That's why I didn't really think it, it, it that that pairing was 100%. Other people would argue otherwise. I was fine with it knowing that Freddie Anderson was there. But now with Freddie not on top of his game on the top of his game and with Hutchinson, I don't know how comfortable I'd feel with a pairing that looked like that. Have we lost trust? Sorry, have the Toronto fan base lost trust in Michael Hutchinson again? So I saw I thought I heard something the other day. I think it was no. in Bourne saying something about oh Freddie again, he's leaking. Sorry, not Freddie, Michael Hutchinson's leaking. It's not that we ever gain trust. Listen, here's the <laughs> thing. And just and Justin Bourne talked about it on Hockey Central. You can't forget what happened in the past with Michael Hutchinson. You can't forget the start of the season. Yes, he had the two wins against Detroit and New Jersey. But you can't forget the fact that the beginning of the season was a nightmare. And yes, the team was in a different state under Mike Babcock. But Michael Hutchinson is still Michael Hutchinson. It's the team is outscoring the problems, essentially, is what ha- is is what's happening. And if the team is not on point, it's going to look bad. Going to look what like what it looked like before under Michael Hutchinson. I don't think Michael Hutchinson is the answer. I think if anything's going to get done this during midseason, if Kyle Dubas is going to make a trade, it's going to be for a right-handed defenseman, a rental right-handed defenseman, or a backup goalie with some type of term, hopefully. Mm-hmm. But I don't see... It doesn't seem... Like that's going to happen. Uh, the the defenseman, I don't see that happening because I don't what the what the market is like. What's out there that's open? Like I I'm sorry, I don't want Brendan Dillon. Like that's <laughs> not good enough for me. Well, Alex, is there anything else on the lease front you want to tackle? No, I'm All good. Right. Uh, I I'll do the quick Twitter check. I don't think there really is anything. Right now, uh, but Alex doesn't look like it. No. Well, I think that's going to be it for today. Then Alex solid episode. And you know what, Alex? It's always fun to do this podcast, isn't it? It's always fun to talk always some fun. Always, always is. So, and I'm sure the people love listening to it. And of course, 
if they did, they should go ahead and on whatever site they're listening to this, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, they should go and leave a review. They should follow, rate it. Anything you can do, why not do it? Share it with your friends. Check out the show's YouTube and Instagram pages as well as my YouTube channel and me and Alex's Alex and I, sorry, learn the grammar. Check out our social media as well. All that will be in the description. Again, hopefully we're getting Daniel on eventually. Uh, I'm confident, Alex, that he will uh, yeah. show up. Or at least, you know, I don't sound it, but I am, trust me. But, yeah, um, we'll see you later then. Bye. <laughs>